It's the California Wine Country Podcast with Steve Jackson and Dan Berger. We taste, we laugh, we learn. California Wine Country with Dan Berger. Our guest today is Alex Holman from Notre Vue Wines. Good to see you, man. Nice. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Love your wines. I also love Taft Street Wines. And uh, Mike Martini is sticking around. Explain again to everyone what you brought in. So, you know, we are in the middle of the harvest of 2021, um, and it is an exciting time. It, it is, it's a wonderful time. It's a crazy time. But one of the things that, that we wanted to do, Steve, you in the past have suggested that the Hopkins River Ranch Chardonnay is one that you thought was, uh, was very appealing. And um, we brought in the 2021 Hopkins uh, River Ranch Chardonnay yesterday afternoon. We have pressed it. We settled it overnight, chilled it. So I brought in a sample of the juice of the 2021 Hopkins River Ranch Chardonnay. And, and I do this because, one, you get to see where these wines come from. And when you taste the juice, I believe you're going to be the test of this, but I believe you can actually start to sense some of the flavors that are going to end up in the wine. And so I do this as an educational uh, endeavor, and you can write off this complete show for tax purposes. <laughs> believe me, I do that every day. Uh, uh, Dan... He's not had a sample yet. He's going to get one on, but I have, and it's delicious. It is a delicious grape juice. I would buy this as is. I wouldn't pay thirty bucks, but I would buy this as is. See, it's it's, it's juice. It's but juice. It's, yeah, it's too sweet. But it's delicious. Too little sweet soda, for little wine. Little soda water, a little vodka, be perfect. <laughs> well, it's all fruit. This has yet to ferment. It means the sugar hasn't been converted to alcohol yet. Mm-hmm. There's no alcohol, and there's all sugar. It is tasty. But it's a very tasty juice. And Mike and I were talking about it earlier. And you get, you get that hint of apple, of green apple at the mm-hmm. very top uh, of your palate. And it, it's a delightful juice. I'm not a big grape juice person, period. But then again, I've been drinking Welch's for years. <laughs> um, or the little boxes I get at school. So this was a really nice, delightful little glass of juice. And it is it is neat, um, you know. If you get the opportunity to visit wineries, you know, while the process is taking place, and and to try it again when it's halfway through, when it's three quarters of the way through, um, when it's about you know five percent less to go left to go, it's really pretty awkward. You may want to skip that stage. <laughs> but it, it, it is you know this is what winemakers live for is to sit there and to taste and see how they develop and guide that process along the way. When how long a, might it be before this becomes a real least a Chardonnay. So uh, we will actually, uh, we're yeasting it this evening. It, the, the fermentation will be about 10 days. Uh, it'll then go into barrels, um, settled, blending. We'll probably bottle this wine uh, June, July of next year. Okay. And then depending on how many people love all of my other Chardonnays, uh, we'll release it as soon as somebody wants to buy it. Family owned and operated since 1979, Taft Street Wines. Uh, Dan, your thoughts on the juice? Well, it's a classic example of grape juice made from Chardonnay. And uh, every now and then you see somebody bottle this stuff, and they really don't hold at all. I mean, they give you about six hours to drink it. But it's delicious <laughs> as it is. And the secret to this, I think, is the good acidity in this wine. I mean, it's juice. juice. <laughs> uh, because uh, without the acidity, this would really be like... Like a Welch's. Mm. It would be so sweet that only kids would drink it. And in this case, there's a balance here. It's really beautiful. 
I would love for you to bring it back at those different stages that you've talked about. Hell <laughs> yes! Of course you are! I, we need you! I, actually, which will be in two weeks, right? And I will make a point of bringing another sample so that you can see where nice. this oh, is gone. Very cool. And then we can continue as it goes through barrels and everything else. And you just get it, and just little samples. That's kind of great. To do. No, it's, it's very cool. Then Mike you're Martini. You're going to have to buy a winery and start making your own brand, Steve. <laughs> Mike Martini. Thank you, buddy. I will see you in two weeks. Okay. Yeah. Don't worry, Steve. We're getting to the real wine now. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, uh, we're getting into the real bad wine. Uh, we're oh, o- right. we're okay. opening up again with uh, something from Dan's cellar. Well, I, I stored this at 55 degrees from it's the day. 2016. 2016 rosé, which I will not name the producer. It's not necessary. But <laughs> the point that I was trying to make, and I, it was a complete accident. I still had a bottle of this stuff. I didn't know why I still had it. But anyway, it was at 55 degrees the entire time it was been stored. And then I put it in the refrigerator. And as I took it out of the refrigerator this afternoon, I noticed the color was really, really shot. And I thought, oh, what a great learning experience. It's terrible. It but, is. Uh, I agree. The truly, nose is abominable. Well, that's true. <laughs> but they don't tell you this. When you're buying a, an old rosé, if you go into these discount stores where they got you know dollar ninety nine special and it, and you aren't paying attention to the vintage and it's a rosé, this is the why you should pay attention to the vintage. This stuff is terrible, and it's and it should never be sold. I mean, it's too late for that. It's, I took two sips and uh, I, now my palate's so messed yeah. up. I'll, I'll clean it with the uh, juice. There you go. <laughs> no, you're going to need another glass before you taste my one. <laughs> that is horrible. That's terrible. So what do you attribute its lousiness to? <laughs> Alex, you can answer that question. <laughs> it's not your wine. Well, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, again, it goes to show you it's in a clear bottle. So clear bottles don't age. Um, that's one. Uh, certainly the, that's why the color is brown. Uh, UV and color... Uh, is where that goes to brown. The bad winemaking, uh, yeah, I, um, you know, it could have been low sulfur to begin with. It probably was. And but it had, other, if it had no sulfur and, and flat acid, if it's a Saunier rose, they well, don't but have there's much also life. one clue on the label. It says fourteen one alcohol. Anytime you got a rose yeah, that's fourteen one alcohol, there's an indication that somebody screwed up in the in the whole idea of processing. Mm. Yeah, or just pulled the juice off. Of a over you know of a overexposed red wine to get color and then then it's just out of balance. When I make rosé, I make it to be rosé. The whole all the grapes, all the juice picked to be rosé. So the acid and the and you brought balance. one. I did. I brought one. <laughs> well, please brought, save us, Alex. <laughs> one of our. I f- need a dump bucket. We all need Here, a dump bucket. To, pr- <laughs> I, to, to prove that I was listening, Steve, you can take a break and drink some of this Chardonnay. <laughs> Talk about the Chardonnay. Well, uh, yeah, uh, we're going to start with the Chardonnay, which is an interesting clone uh, called Chardonnay Musquet, and it's a. Um, it's a it's a clone of Chardonnay that has a lot of terpenes that are uh, reminiscent of Muscat and Gewürztraminer and Riesling, and so in its heart it's a Chardonnay, but it is very floral and uh, very aromatic. But in the backbone, it's a Chardonnay, and, and so uh, it's I, I use this as the uh, there's no new oak in this. It's a sort of Chablis style. Um, would be how I would describe the wine. Now, the last vintage of this, 
that we tasted was a year ago when you were on the show last, and the wine was so good that when I, I took the empty the, the bottle, it was only half empty. I took it home, and the 24 hours later, the wine was actually better. And that's what a real uh, tribute to technical skills in making good quality Chardonnay. Well, thank you. And what year is this, Alex? This is 2020. This is one of the rare 2020s that actually survived. So we uh, we had uh, we did not we processed our normal 80 tons, but we only kept about 16. The rest uh, went down the drain. Hmm. That's delicious wine. Now, the interesting thing is, it's such a baby at this point that the secondary characteristics, the terpene components are really interesting because it's a Mousquet clone, but the secondary characteristics haven't developed yet. Yeah. Yeah. This, this wine won't actually be released uh, for several more months. And, Dan, how long should we lay this down once, well, knowing, once it's released? Knowing Alex and knowing... <clears throat> how careful he works with his vineyard people to make sure that the acids in these wines are so Im- important. I would guess that this wine won't even be at its peak for another two years. So even after they're releasing it, it's going to be fun to drink it, but it'll be better a year and a half or two years after release. This is a gorgeous wine. Yeah. Stunning. Well, well, thanks. I mean, 2020 was such a challenge on all respects, whether it was coming out of COVID and trying to find intern help, whether it was trying to find picking help, uh, and then the fires. I mean, the that thunderstorm started before any grape was picked, so everything was affected. At least, you know, uh, this year, uh, you know, we, you know, everything the Pinot and the Chardonnay is in the barn, so at least we're halfway through. So uh, there's good news on the horizon. 2020 was a very, very difficult vintage for, all the way around. I mean, not just for health reasons, yeah. but for other reasons. Well, right. I mean, it was actually perfect weather in the beginning. And then once the fire started and then we got that heat wave and then everything. And then you were picking because of the fires. You weren't picking necessarily for phenolic ripeness. And, uh, you know, you you were doing things sort of. Out of reflex. Yeah, sure. This is a wine you buy on faith. Of course, you won't. It won't be available for a while anyway. So that's. Yeah. Fortunately, the winery will do you a favor and hold on to it. <laughs> <laughs> well, at this stage of the game, it's delicious, and mm. I, I can tell what it's going to be like. Oh, it's absolutely say in two wonderful. Years. Yeah. You know, right now you could serve it with oysters. I mean, it's just all that beautiful acid and beautiful aromatics. The aromatics are real subtle. At this stage of the game, the, the the terpene components, which are sort of wild aromatics, have not really developed much of anything just yet. But the, boy, they grow there. exponentially at some point. Every month, they just every month it improves. And so, uh, having started with a really aromatic wine of less than sterling caliber, um, when I'm I still trying to clean my I could, palate, I saw that. Yeah. I saw Steve trying to get through that, and the first thing I noticed it was that there is such a little aroma to this so yeah. far. There's the hint of it, but it's probably one of the lightest aromatics that I've had. One one of the t- telltale signs of a good aging wine is that it tends to be delicate mm. and shy when it's very very young. Yeah. Reds, whites, pinks, all of them. If you have a lot of aroma when the wine is young, 
watch out, it's not going to age real well. Right, it'll go skunky pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> so this wow. is a this is a classic example of how to make a a euro euro styled Chardonnay within the California stratosphere. Now, uh, bef- again, it it won't be released for until when about? Uh, it's, well, we have we're still on the nineteen, so. Uh, it, this will probably be released in the February Wine Club. Okay. Now, Dan, since I'm stealing this and taking it home, should I decant it for a couple oh, hours? Oh, I definitely would decant it, absolutely. Okay. And uh, not to mention the fact, here's a really good example of a wine that if you serve it cold, now right now it's cold. Right. But if you serve it at almost room temperature, like at, say, 64, 66 degrees, you're going to like it the a lot. The aromatics will be tenfold. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, I'll put it in yeah. my funky decanter, and it'll... And be then it'll open up, and then tomorrow it'll even be better. Okay. It won't yeah. make it. <laughs> it, won't, it won't get there. I want to talk about uh, Notre Vue uh, Winery. It's notrevueestate.com, and Vue is spelled V-U-E. Uh, give us the history of the winery, uh, uh, Alex. Well, actually, uh, the the property has been was part of the General Vallejo uh, uh, properties, uh, so it, it's been growing grapes all the way back into the 1800s. However, Doug Nall and uh, Dave Kunzgard started it in the 70s, and, and it was actually one of the first publicly traded. Uh, Balvern was one of the first publicly traded wineries back in the 70s and served in the White House in the Reagan administration. So there's a long history and uh, for the last well the the winery Notre Vue has been making wine since 2010 so we're about 10 years in prior to that we were just selling grapes and so now we produce 5 to 600 tons and I cherry pick the best 100 tons and the genesis, uh, the owners, the people that started this? Yeah, Bob and Renee Stein. Right, uh, right. Uh, yeah, they, uh, they uh, bought the property in 92 and uh, have done a lot, of, a lot of different, a lot, they did a, a half of the plantings. And uh, so we're at 200 acres roughly um, and 700 total acres with 350 forever wild open space. So we've got a lot of outdoor uh, venues to taste wine. That's the new thing is everybody's tasting outside. And so we've got a lot of those uh, areas and uh, our wine club members hike and bike. And so it's been – we've actually grown our wine club during the pandemic just because it was a refuge for people to get away. Sure. And explain uh, how to visit the winery uh, for wine tasting. Just call the phone number, or now everything's online. You can find it at notrevue.com. Yeah. And, and everything's uh, by appointment. Reservations. Yep. We have a lot of spaces, so it's not like it, it fills up. Uh, you just, uh, everything has to be regulated these days. Everything's changed. And is this Windsor? Windsor, North Windsor, off of Rattle Lane, the north uh, north side of Windsor. It's a beautiful property. On the east, definitely worth east of the freeway. <laughs> uh, it also says on the website that you do tastings Thursday through Monday from 11.30 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. That's correct. So if you want to make those reservations, it's got to be for those days and those times. That's correct. Great. And, and Alex, your history and how you got into the world of wine. 
Um, I'm a Fresno State grad. I wound up in Fresno State after the Loma Prieta earthquake in 89. Got my degree in chemistry. Uh, one of my mentors in chemistry was Barry Gump, who's a relatively famous wine chemist and wine judge. And, and so, a local guy, too, because yeah. he, he taught at Santa Rosa JC. That's right. That's right. And he's a really good guy. He's down in Florida International now, I believe. Right. Um, and uh, so I got into wine through my chemistry and my chemistry mentor and uh, went back to school. And you literally learn how to make wine. And it's a hands-on. Their production class that every senior has to take is six hours a day, four days a week, working in the cellar making wine. So that's the class. So if you don't go to production class, you don't learn how to make wine. Yeah. Very cool. It's notrevuestate.com, but if you just Google Notrevu, N-O-T-R-E-V-U-E, you'll get there. And uh, Dan, more on this uh, shard. Well, I'm in particular in love with this because as I'm sitting here warming it up and warming it up with my hands, the noticeable things that are coming out of it, uh, and it's not supposed to show this young and this early, but this is really a stunning wine, but it reminds me a lot of your 19, and I think that's where I'm getting a sort of a touchstone, too, because that 19 was so good for literally two days when it was open. It just get, kept getting better. Yeah, now. and you can tell that how much better this is going to get, oh, yeah. and it's great right now. California Wine Country. Brought to you by Bottle Barn, Dan Berger, of course. Our guest today is Alex Holman from Notre Vu Wines. You guys do great stuff. Uh, that rosé that you are just picking up, Steve, not, like very few other rosés in this world, that's a great, great bottle of wine. What year is this? And it, this is 2020 so as well. It's available. It's available. Well, this will be released in October. Oh, really? Yep. Mm. Talk a little bit more about it, Alex. Yeah. It's a co-fermented GSM, which is Grenache, Syrah, Mavedra. So I pick all the grapes on the same day, which, of course, all three varieties are totally different ripenesses, uh, Syrah being the most and uh, Mavedra being the least uh, at any given pick date. And so I, my whole GSM program, we make a sparkling rosé, this still rosé, and a red wine. And they're all co-fermented, all unique wines year to year because mother nature's never given us the same ripeness to pick the same day to get an uh, an exact wine so i'm not trying to be consistent i'm trying to be creative and and it has a genre and it all has similar flavors but i i want every year to be unique Speaking of unique, I'm looking at the bottle in front of me right now. It's amongst a half dozen other bottles, and it stands out. Tell me why it stands out. Because uh, my owner, Renee Stein, is a wonderful designer. <laughs> yeah, it's and one of those. I've seen these before, but that's a beautiful uh, yeah, bottle. It's, it's French glass. It's, uh, it, yes, it's, it's a nice design and more form than function. Um. <laughs> Dan, can you tell me more about this wine? <laughs> I adore this wine. Rosé like this is really classy. This is a very, very stylish rosé because there's zero sugar here. The only fruit you're going to get is from the grapes themselves, and that fruit is so delicious because 
you're getting a good level of acidity, but not so much that it makes the wine tart. It gives it a mid-palate freshness because of the fruit that you're using. You're using Grenache, Syrah, and Mourvedre. And the secret is the how those flavors all develop additional characteristics because they're so beautifully fermented together. When right. you ferment together, you get additional characteristics that the three fermented side by side separately would not give you. Right. And I, I've always used that in all my uh, – the way I describe co-fermentation of these types of blends is like if you were going to pl- – Build a house of Legos of three different colors. You're going to build each wing of the house of each color separately if you do them separate. If you throw them all together, you can build a bigger, more palatial house than trying to build three little houses and then blend them together. And so when you put the components together on day one, they interact. the tannins interact, the tannins mm. polymerize mm. with each other, and, it, and it, it's a true marriage. You can imagine how beautiful this would go, both with seafood and meat, because here's a... Either per- way, yeah. Either way. It's got both components in the same glass. I'm making my uh, linguine vongole tonight. Right. This Good. will be great. Fabulous. With the spaghetti and clams. Fabulous. Exactly. Oh, exactly. Man. And what yep. grapes did go into this wine? Uh, it's 40, 41% Grenache, 31% Syrah, and 20% Movedra. Damn, that's good. That's delicious wine. <laughs> and should we lay it down? Should I? Mm. No, drink I'm it. stealing this tonight, my too. Earlier, so my earlier Should I put example, it in my decanter? Decanter? I, I wouldn't necessarily mess with it. I'd just, just pour the stuff and drink it. Yeah. I heard stuff. you earlier, Dan. You don't lay down rosé. <laughs> that yep. was what I said when yes. I opened that 16. Yes. Yeah. And I'm agreeing yep. Yep. with myself. I mean, you know, Chard- Chardonnay sometimes will need some time to get developed and sort of smooth out. Uh, Rosés generally need to be drunk. Immediately, right away. Yeah, yeah. Just, I mean, oh, there's no, God. there's no benefit to laying them down. Well, tonight with my spaghetti and clams, I'm not laying anything down except myself I'm after dinner. <laughs> <laughs> and you yeah. have a a red wine here that's most amusing too. Right, I've got a Zinfandel that um, I also co-fermented with Grenache and Movedra. So, all right, um, onwards. And then I, uh, so this Zinfandel is 79% Zinfandel, 9% Petit Syrah, 8, 8% Movedra, and 4% Grenache. Oh, get hairy some. Yeah, here you so go. So it's not your traditional, and so I, I co-fermented the three Zin, Grenache, and Movedra, and then I bench-blended uh, Petit Syrah into it. When you say bench blend, what do you mean? They're made separately in their own fermenters, go to their own barrels, and then you make your blends on the bench to say, oh, I want 8% or no, maybe 10 It's so, a very exacting process because they have to use little teeny pipettes and fractions of... What's a pipette? It's <laughs> a little graduated glass cylinder that you yeah. can put incremental amounts in. And then you can pour in, you know, like a tenth of a percent if you want, something... You know, measurable at least, 
And it really does make a difference. I mean, the winemakers can tell. I've, I sat in on one of those sessions. That was seven hours. It was pretty outrageous. It can get pretty tedious <laughs> if you get too involved. Harry, uh, thoughts on uh, this Zen? Nicely warm on the palate, I thought. A really rich, nice, smooth warmth. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's 100% French oak, and it's for Zinfandel... Heck, fourteen four for Zinfandel is low sh- low alcohol, so we'll just call it that. I think the and secret to this wine is how good that Petite Syrah was. Boy, that Petite Syrah is delicious in this class. Yeah, uh, that's pretty no, good stuff. I'll have I have I'm making a varietal Petite Syrah that's uh, going to be fabulous, and um, so I, I do make I to answer your question earlier, Dan, off the air, uh, I do put this in a Burgundy b- bottle. Simply because I make this Zin like Pinot Noir, and there's no rules on what kind of bottle Zin goes into or what bottle Petit Sirah goes into, and so I, you're I, a rebel. I put it in what what I feel that makes it you know, the way I make it. I make it like Pinot, so why not? Well, that's beautiful, and the structure of the wine is most interesting because it doesn't have the roughness of high alcohol, but it has, in fact. A lot more of the mid-palate chewiness that you would otherwise get from alcohol. But in this case, you're getting it from the Petite Syrah. It's just a gorgeous wine. I love the chewiness. Yeah, it's and especially big stuff. when you're not getting it from the alcohol. Yeah, and then you don't have to worry about putting it with something medium uh, weight in food. Like, here's a chicken cacciatore wine. Yeah. This would be fabulous with chicken cacciatore. Just a little bit of tomato sauce and then that beautiful chicken... Uh, the chicken breast, what a yeah. flavorful thing this is. No, I've always wanted. Uh, this has sort of been my, <clears throat> yeah, my end of my career wine in the sense that I started my career at Dry Creek and made a lot of Zinfandel and all that Zinfandels, you know, high, you know, high alcohol and you know they just come. If you don't deal with the raisins and back twenty years ago, we didn't have a whole lot of ways to deal with the raisins unless you go went into the field and cut them out now the sorters and and the destemmers sort of can leave the raisins on the table so we have a lot more tools now and i've always wanted to make that zin that's lower in alcohol all french oak more of a finesse wine than you know something that you can only eat with blue cheese you know who would love this wine is paul draper because this is the style of wine he would like to make have we ever had Paul call. in? Paul's retired now. We should get him in. Well, so am I. Let's go. Okay. <laughs> okay. And I'm still here every day. Paul, Paul Draper would be a gem on this show. He's he's a historic figure. Make it in happen. We'll get, we can do it. Please. We'll do it. Okay. And he tells a good story. He does. <laughs> uh, it is brought to you, California Wine Country, by Bottle Barn. They're open for in-store shopping every day. You can also place an order at or curbside pickup still at BottleBarn.com. They've been providing wine country with an unmatched selection of the finest wines, beer, and spirits for so long. It's the best place to find the most amazing deals in wine country. And, of course, we're talking also uh, spirits, beers, and everything, every kind, and they've got it all. Bottle Barn, remember, can ship wine to most states. Go to BottleBarn.com for all the details. And uh, listen to this show. It is brought to you by Bottle Barn every Wednesday 
in the 5 o'clock hour here on KSRO. Our guest today is Alex Holman, the winemaker at Notre Vu Wines. And Vu is spelled V-U-E. Remember that. So Google it or go to... Uh, NotreVuestate.com. Uh, yes. Thank you. Alex, you're, you're doing some kind of a special dinner or something yes, like that? Yes, we what have a, a winemaker dinner with uh, Dr. Hobie Wedler. Which Hobie, he, we, he, he's a frequent guest. We love Hobie. Uh, he's a terrific guy. <laughs> oh, he is, the guy's incredible. He, he has the most insatiable personality. I just love that guy. He's blind since birth. Blind since birth and has just a wonderful... Pro, you know, just a wonderful way of going about his business. Yeah, uh, and his thoughts on life. You know, I mean, blind since birth, and the guys—he's one of the happiest, the, oh, most productive, incredible dudes. Personality yeah. and wonderful. And so, we're having this tasting in the dark, and so he has a. a, a everybody is blindfolded, and then he brings in these other uh, rosé, please. Oh, you want rosé? Yeah, I can't do the reds. Okay. Okay, here's the rosé. Okay. <laughs> uh, the dinner. We were talking yes. about the dinner. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he has these, he has certain flavors. He tastes the wine, and then he ha- he makes up these other concoctions of other fr- different things that he feels the wine tastes like. And so everybody's blindfolded, and you taste these different Flavors, and then you taste the wine, and you talk about it, and he talks about it. How he, you know, his thought process is totally different than ours, and exactly. so it's, it's bringing us into his world that is so much more vibrant. Uh, you know, I don't know how else to explain it. The well, man- no, and, you know, he's been in the studio with us. We've done, we've all put on blindfolds, <laughs> and we, he does his thing, and afterwards. We're smiling ear to ear. It's just amazing. No, it, no, it's and it's going to be really fun because he does his little presentation with the different smells and whatnot, and then he ties it to the wine, and then that wine is tied to the dinner. So when and, is that dinner? And, and that dinner is uh, September eighteenth, Saturday, and at uh, Notre Vue. At Notre Vue, Chef uh, Didier from Pascaline. Paul, Pascaline, that's right will be uh, the chef. And, and two of these wines that we're tasting, the Zin and this next one, the Malbec, are going to be part of that dinner. That's very cool. The dinner you're referencing, you're calling the Super Sensory Trio Experience. Exactly. And as you said, it's Saturday, September 18th from 5 to 9 p.m. in the evening. You need reservations, and you can get those by visiting the Notrevu website, which is com. It's uh, translation, our view. Renee and Bob were just one, are, are wonderful people, and uh, th- the estate is a reflection of their personality. Bob passed uh, just this last spring, so we're reeling from that a little bit. Uh, it's been a, a rough couple of years, but we're going on, on in his image. What are we keep going with with the next wine? Malbec. So this is 2019 Malbec. And it's, I make all five Bordeaux varieties, and uh, I've always felt Malbec is 
better in Sonoma County than Cab, generally speaking. Oh, really? If, if Napa's going to own Cab, I think Sonoma should own Malbec. Uh, okay. I've, I've made Dan, some really nice ones. You agree, I'm Beautiful sure. Beautiful fruit components of blueberries and sort of blackberries. Um, what I like about it most is the fact that the oak is really held back. It's not oaky. It mostly is fruit. This is a fruit-based wine. And Wise man told me once that wine's made from fruit, so it should be your primary flavor. That's what's here. <laughs> and the delicious component is really in the aftertaste, so that if you wanted to serve this with a hamburger, boy, you'd be right, right on. So it's really not a very complex wine, but it really has overwhelming fruit, and it needs to have some beef to go with it. It's mild. It is. It's a mild wine, which I, which is why I think you'd say serving it with a hamburger is just fine. Well, I, a quality hamburger, of course, not. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I guess you have to say that's sort of my style. You know, I'm not over-extracting. I don't want heavy tannins. I only use light and medium French oak. I use punchins. So everything I do in my winemaking style is delicate, not hitch over the head. So I don't want ashtray and saddle and smoke and campfire. <laughs> ashtray? Ash. Okay, you got a wine uh, taste like ashtray? <laughs> That's good for me because my favorite vegetable, to quote Frank Zappa, is tobacco. <laughs> It's California Wine Country with Dan Berger, of course. Our guest today, Alex Holman, winemaker at Notre Vous. And it's Notre Vous Estate.com. Had a friend text me uh, during the break. Heck yes, we have the best Malbec. Australia and France ain't got nothing. <laughs> Agreed? Yeah, you know, I really do like this. You know, for Malbec, it. I'm not the biggest cab fan. And so for Bordeaux, I really do... Is, is if I'm going to rate my Bordeaux varieties, uh, Malbec and Merlot are going to be in front of Cab. I'm sorry. That's just who I am. I agree. I'm not a big Cab fan either. Okay, Dan. Everybody agreed with you. Thanks for the text. <laughs> <laughs> not okay. this Dan, I should say, by the way. Dan didn't text me sitting right next to me. It's another Dan. <laughs> if we were all younger, you guys would be texting sitting right next to each other. And actually, we have a Cab Franc that's in the wings that's going to be bottled in uh, December, which I'm really excited about. My second uh, favorite red wine grape of all time. I'm a big Cab, cab Franc. Franc. Well, now you're speaking French. Yes, he does. <laughs> you can do Dan Berger, Alex Holman from Notre Vue Wines. Check them out. Uh, make a reservation and uh, do a wine tasting there. You guys are amazing. And thank you so much, Alex. You're welcome. Thank Good you to for see you again, me. Dan. Next week. See you next week. Clark Smith. Oh. Okay. <laughs> you love Clark. I love Clark Smith. Okay. <laughs>